1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. I apologize for what uh, I got wrong just before the news. I wasn't aware that the uh, newsroom had confirmed uh, with the uh, Peoria police that the chief wants the officers at schools, so officers were at schools today, to make students and parents feel safe in reference to the recent rash of violence that has occurred. Uh, no threats have been made was a comment uh, to our newsroom from the Peoria Police Department. Uh, so that is the latest information we have on whether or not any of the things that I was seeing on social media and that were spreading very quickly and a lot of parents were commenting on and discussing, uh, showing up early to school, getting their kids out of school and seeing uh, police presence at some of those schools. Uh, all of those things are things that as of now seem to be uh, precautions. Um, uh, there are no more police cars at Peoria High School as the school day has already ended. Looks pretty clear is an update from Will Stevenson, who is traveling to a press conference that will happen at uh, 3.30 today. Uh, that press conference will include uh, Police Chief Eric Echeverria and Mayor Rita Ali. Uh, we will actually take that press conference live uh, on the radio here so you can hear the comments by both of those individuals. Uh, I don't know that we'll actually hang into that press conference for any sort of questions from the press, uh, but we will do our best to collect that audio and bring it back to you uh, later on today. So first, I would like to react to everything going on, and then I will do my best to give you all the information that we have available to us about what has been happening since last night in the Peoria area, uh, predominantly on the south side of Peoria. Um, before I do that, as I said, though, I have I have one simple reaction uh, to all of this, and I made it very candidly with uh, a little bit of audio to bleep myself just before the news. I'm not going to do that again, but I am going to say that it makes no sense, and I don't care who thinks any of this does make sense. And I know that by and large, I doubt there's many people that are listening to the show right now that are people contemplating doing anything uh, that would be more of this violence we're seeing in our community. If you somehow are someone listening to the show that intends on hurting someone else or is contemplating hurting someone else, simply I can tell you that it won't bring anyone back that you think you're defending. And more so than that, it won't do anything to make you a more respected person. Um, what I saw a lot of on social media, and I, I talked about this earlier this week, that I had met someone who wound up getting killed the very next day. Uh, the person I met's name is Mason Loy. Mason Loy was at the VFW in Peoria Heights on a Friday. I met him. I talked to him. He told me that he had done a lot in his life that he regretted. Uh, he had been in jail for some of the things that he had done, and he wanted to turn his life around, and he wanted to talk two young people who were in uh, the shoes he was in to tell them and encourage them to turn their life around as well. I don't know anything else about uh, Mason uh, Loy, only the conversation I had with him, but he was a victim of gun violence the very next night, 21 years old. And the person accused of killing him, the suspect, is 17 and going to be tried as an adult. That was Saturday. On some of the social media posts, even the posts that are from the police themselves, uh, which is one of the, the crazier things that I've seen as just an adult person looking at social media and contemplating what social media has become from what it was when it was invented while I was in college, and it very much was not what it is today. But you were seeing really vitriolic posts from people that seemed to either be uh, thrilled that someone had lost their life or um, obviously very upset with those who were, who were saying certain things on these social media posts. And there was, there was one that went, so viral in our community that many people I talked to uh, knew about. Many people that I talked to had asked me if I had seen it, and even lis listeners, excuse me, were sending it to me. And it was 
there's no other way to say this, some of the, the most confusing stuff I've ever seen because the sentiment, uh, just to, to give you the basic um, understanding that I had of it, from those who seem to be okay with, if not encouraging, more violence within our community was all about whether or not people were uh, respected or people were thought of as weak. And it is not strength to pull a trigger at someone for any – that is not strength. Uh, in the world of this, in the world of shootings like this, that is that is not someone being tough. Uh, there is no version where it's someone being tough, actually. I had a listener send me a text message uh, earlier this week in response to some of what I was saying that said, when did people stop using their fists to just punch the crap out of each other? No one dies in that scenario, uh, beat each other up. That, to that listener, was manlier than what's occurring now. And so last night, you have six people shot. You have a tremendous police presence at the only hospital in town that's a, a um, you know, um, uh, level one trauma center. So all of the people who are shooting victims wind up there. Uh, you have the police. You have the mayor. You have the um, teachers uh, associated, the teachers union, all coming out and saying different things about how ridiculous. Uh, well, I'm adding the word ridiculous, but how how. Uh, crazy the amount of violence is uh, right now in our community and the idea that any of this will result in anything other than uh, more uh, pain more more sadness more uh, punishment as i said a second ago the 17 year old is going to be tried as an adult and is likely to wind up being uh, if found guilty um, in jail for a very long time Uh, that is just my assumption again if someone is found guilty of a crime like that uh, the sentencing is significant so those things seem to be it seems as though we have two problems. And I'm just going to say this candidly, and I'm saying this as an outsider trying to look in as best I can and understand something that makes absolutely no sense. And these are the two things that I see as the, the largest problem. There is no value for human life right now for those who are willing to take it so easily over something so trivial. Um, I remember at times in my my education where kids were mean to me or where, you know, uh, kids did this to someone else or, or something to someone else. And at no point did any of that ever feel like the appropriate response would have been to take someone's life. And I can, uh, without knowing, know definitively that none of the things that people are, are shooting each other over are things that are deserving of that level of, of crime, that level of response, that level of of. Uh, evil is what I, I call it when you shoot and kill someone else, especially in some of these situations where it's completely unprovoked and someone is stepping out of a car and opening fire and shooting several uh, shots at someone and then fleeing the scene. Uh, that's weakness. That's cowardice. And that is something that is not going to improve any of the problems that anyone is seeing in any of these situations. And so if you're someone in school, if you're someone with a child who wants to talk tough and be tough, I can guarantee you one other thing before I take a break. Anyone who takes any of these actions will regret it. You will regret it. At some point in your life, after doing something like this, you will wish, you will beg, you will plead to God, whoever it is you, you pray to, that you could take it back. And you cannot take it back. Moments like that will never be taken back. And moments like that would never be something where you can restore any of the damage you do after the fact. So it's a simple plea uh, to anyone and everyone out there. And I apologize to all those listening to the show uh, who think of themselves as completely devoid of, 
of this situation and, and you know, why am I talking about this and not some political thing in the news? Uh, but when you have a mass shooting, which is what you call six people getting shot last night and multiple shootings the next morning and police showing up at, at high schools to make sure that kids feel safe as they're getting out of school, you have a tremendous problem. And the only solution is to talk to those who are doing this and convince them what they're doing is wrong. And I know it sounds uh, naive to think that that's possible, but there is no scenario uh, where what they're doing is something, as I said before, that you'll feel proud of for the rest of your life. If not, immediately the opposite feeling will take over uh, because this is something I don't know that we've ever seen to this degree in our society, uh, in our community. And I pray to God it's something that we stop seeing very, very soon and uh, never again. Quick break, a lot more, 1470, 100 point. Lee Factor. Fourteen seventy, one 100.3, WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. Will Stevenson is at the Peoria Police Department waiting for the um, news conference to start there. Both the police chief, Eric Echeverria, and Mayor Rita Ali are said to be speaking today. Uh, they will be talking about the recent string of violence uh, going on throughout the area. I did get some text messages as I was talking about this uh, just before the break. Uh, several people have uh, different actions. I do like this reaction. Uh, the listener is asking me to call them the package, which is awesome. A way to go, the package. Uh, here's the message. Not sure how to reach these kids, but based on the audio blowing out of some of the vehicles uh, that are sitting next to me, as someone just blew through a red light, I'm betting they aren't listening to WMBD to find out what folks like us think. I wish they were uh, the package. I wish they were. Because what I think is all of this is something that everyone who is partaking in this level of violence will regret. Uh, these are things that will not be things you'll be proud of. Uh, you won't care that you convinced someone you were tough uh, when you were 17, 18, 19, 20 years old for firing a weapon at someone else and then going to jail for a long time over it. That won't be something you'll care about after the long time comes and you get out of jail. Other people send in messages, additional consequences of evil and horrible crime in Peoria last night. Hospitals were put on lockdown. This would impact uh, provision of care to innocent, uninvolved patients. A very sad situation. Yes, that's just one of several different avenues to which the damage is, is you know, here, I'll, I'll say it this way, actually. So uh, to go back to a, a story that I am more familiar with, because I, I met an individual uh, on Friday night, who wound up being killed uh, via gun violence on Saturday uh, in our community. That individual has a two-year-old child. And when I heard the story, and I don't know any of this definitively, I know it's just a suspect in this crime. I know there's um, statements that there might be video um, you know, uh, of the uh, suspect getting out of a vehicle and then fleeing the scene after shooting someone else. But the, the suspect is 17 years old. And one thing that kept going through my mind is a 17-year-old probably cannot um, appropriately fathom taking a father away from his child uh, since that, uh, that person themselves, that 17-year-old, is unlikely to have kids. Um, so I think you'd be unlikely to understand the, the totality of damage you cause to the people that are not the person you are angry at or whatever at and you choose to 
take the life of. Uh, that doesn't excuse the behavior. I'm not trying to make someone uh, that's acted evil someone who's innocent somehow. I just think that that matters in the whole how is this going on in the first place version of a, a conversation. Uh, there are other reactions out there. Thank you for everyone sending me messages. 309 340 4464 is the phone number, 309-340-4464. I would like to hear from parents. I would like to hear from anyone that has kids in any of the schools on which you are worried about uh, your child's safety and what you would be doing to make sure to keep your child safe. I know I mentioned this before the break, but even the uh, teachers' union is out there saying on social media that things are, are a mess right now. Actually, you know what? I can try to read the entire message uh, that um, the T the Peoria Federation of Teachers Local 780 put up on social media, because I think this matters. Uh, these individuals, the teachers in classrooms, would be the closest other than parents to what the mindsets are of the young people who are behaving the way that they're behaving. And this is the simple statement uh, from the Peoria Federation of Teachers. Peoria is out of control. City leaders need to declare a state of emergency, then ask for help regarding how to stop the shooting and killing. Tackling the problem at its root is the right approach. However, that takes years. In the meantime, something drastic needs to be done to bring the shooting and killing to an immediate halt. As teachers, part of our curriculum is to teach students to have hope and to capitalize on that hope. I think that's tremendously important to teach anyone that feels as though their life is somehow doomed to be, um, you know, something they don't. Uh, care to protect uh, their future is something they don't care to protect so they behave the way they do is a a misunderstanding and honestly a very prevalent one in our society there's so many conversations about how uh, this is unfair or that is unfair and, and these individuals or whoever it is that commit these sort of crimes uh, just simply can't succeed and that mindset is a catalyst to some of this behavior, as demonstrated by part of this message. I'll continue with the Peoria Federation of Teachers Local 780. It must seem completely abstract, however, given the realities our students see in the city on a daily basis. Code Reds have become part of the regular school day for some schools. Recess has been held indoors. Our schools need to be improved so that fighting isn't part of the regular school day. Consequences and interventions are weak, so students learn that it is okay to fight. This only adds to the city's problem. Teachers do their best to teach amid these circumstances. Our pledge is to do our best to give students hope and to educate them well. We will continue to do our part. As I write this, I'm getting texts about yet another shooting. Uh, this um, message that was put up on social media was at about 1030, and uh, T.J. Carson actually was on the scene for that second uh, shooting that happened earlier today. It is not an emergency. Is it not an emergency? Question mark. Uh, declare it so and intervene. Nothing currently uh, happening is making a dent. We need someone to step up and take control. We do need the students to understand or the uh, people. I don't know that it's all all students or uh, 20 somethings or uh, whoever has been predominantly the uh, perpetrator and the victim of these crimes. And I don't mean to be ranting about this for the whole first half an hour of the show, but when you go to sleep last night to the news and a crazy scene at a, a hospital and you wake up to more shootings throughout the morning, uh, it seems as though ranting about this is the only topic that probably should be covered uh, on this show or any show, really, until we get to a point where this sort of uh, crap stops, where you, where you just don't see uh, this anymore. Uh, but to go back to it and to say again simply uh, that the uh, kids need to understand that what they're doing right now is going to rob them of something they want, their future. 
uh, whether you're robbing someone else of it or robbing yourself of it, uh, it is something that you actually do want, even if you're convinced at 17, 18, 19, you don't want it. I didn't know what I was going to be when I was a younger kid. I didn't know that I was destined to succeed or fail or any of that. Uh, no one does. Uh, not people who are uh, claimed to be privileged and not people who are, are claimed to be, you know, in unfair situations. No one knows uh, what the future holds. And if you can find success, and there's several examples of people in all sorts of walks of life having all kinds of success. Uh, read the, you know, biographies of some of the most uh, famous and rich people in our in our society. And you'll find that a lot of them weren't any more sure than anyone else that they were going to be successful. And not every single one of them had some sort of a golden ticket to success. So, again, all of this to me is just a a byproduct of some of the world in which we're in. All right. We have a few minutes to go before the press conference is said to start. I'm waiting for Will Stevenson to give me more information about that. Uh, we will probably go to a live uh, 3.30 news uh, if we don't uh, have the um, press conference ready to go. Uh, but just as a programming note to anyone out there, uh, we will be doing um, – uh, the press conference in its entirety um, as soon as it starts. So what we're going to do right now, actually, is we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to uh, do a few different things uh, in that break to try to catch up some of the things we expect uh, to be behind in just a little bit. So a quick break and a lot more in a bit. 1470, 100.3. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, we're in a bit of a tricky situation now because I cannot tell uh, when the press conference starts, as I am live with you on the air, but we intend to take the press conference live as soon as it starts. Um, so right now, uh, the entirety of what we know is that Will Stevenson is live on the scene at the Peoria Police Department, a press conference uh, with Eric Echeverria and Peoria uh, Mayor uh, Rita Ali. Uh, will be starting momentarily. I think the announced time was going to be 3.30, uh, which has not occurred yet. Um, but we will take the entirety of that press conference alive up until uh, the reporters start to ask questions, and then we'll try to do the best we can to capture uh, some of that and bring it to you a little bit later on. I am still getting texts from people that are reacting to uh, the news that has occurred over the last 24 hours or 72 hours or the last uh, week or two, uh, depending on what uh, place we start to count from. Uh, but last night, of course, you probably saw that there were a lot of people, uh, a lot of cops, a lot of um, uh, parents, a lot of um, cars at the hospital. Uh, and this is because there was a mass shooting. Uh, six people were shot. Uh, two people were in critical condition at that point uh, yesterday. Uh, we've now had a couple shootings today. Um, and we had a a set of social media comments out there uh, that seemed to indicate that there was at least the threat of some sort of uh, shooting that was being contemplated of happening at school after schools got out. That didn't occur uh, from any information that we've heard. And police, even though they didn't reference anything about uh, a threat of that kind, uh, said that for the safety of students, they were at a lot of different schools. Uh, you heard in our newsroom all the different schools where there was a police presence as kids were getting out of school today. I just got a text message from another listener that said this in response to how to fix the violence going on in our community. Um, we need parents to step up and actually parent. It starts there. I was born and raised in Peoria. I'm glad that when I bought my home 15 years ago, I did so across the river. I can't imagine having to send my current eight or six-year-old to school in Peoria now. 
or worry uh, about some random shooting taking them away from me. I understand that. A lot of people, I think, are in that uh, boat. Sheriff Watkins is also at that press conference, by the way, uh, waiting for the mayor and the police chief uh, to arrive at that press conference and to get it started. Uh, Will Stevenson, please do let me know as soon as possible um, because I am now live on the air and can no longer screen that um, uh, press conference. So please do let me know. Uh, when it starts, I'm actually texting him that right now um, uh, so that we don't miss it. Uh, and I, I have every intention of taking as much of it as we can on the air. Uh, I thank that listener for sending in that message about parents. And I've heard a lot of people say things like that, uh, things like parents should actually be held responsible for the crimes of young people if those young people are are young enough to where you wonder how the parents are incapable of instilling better values in their kids. I'm not saying that I'm an advocate for that. I'm not saying that I'm a supporter of that, but I understand how that is a mindset that many people would have because it does start with parents inside homes. It it is not a job uh, for teachers in schools to convince children not to be, um, you know, violent, not to be uh, certain things. It is, it is a job for uh, parents. However, I do know that there are parents who put every effort into that, and there are still kids who choose to do things differently for whatever reason that might be. Uh, I was raised by a single mother, so I know how challenging it can be, too, to be a, a single parent family, um, although I guess I don't truly know how hard that was. I just know that it was probably not the easiest thing uh, that we put my mom through, and I can ad- admit that and understand that, yet uh, none of the things that happened uh, to me and in my home uh, um, are anywhere near what this is. Uh, all right, let's go to the press conference right now. Uh, Police Chief Eric Echevarria will be talking soon. Once again, we are covering live the uh, press conference at the Peoria Police Department. Police Chief Eric Echevarria is the first of three individuals uh, that will be speaking momentarily. Here he is. On August 30th at approximately 9 p.m. in the 2200 block of West Marquette, we responded to two shots by the alerts, one for 19 rounds and another for 10 rounds. In all, six people, all males, were injured and transported to the hospital for our juveniles. Five of the six sustained gunshot wounds, two are life-threatening injuries, one is an adult and one is a juvenile and are still being treated at the hospital. This morning at approximately 9 a.m., we responded to the 2100 block of West Antoinette on a 25-round shot spotter alert. Upon arrival, two gunshot victims, both adult males, were located and transported to the hospital. One passed away from injuries and the other is reported to be in stable condition. While on the scene of Antoinette, a 911 call came in that there was a gunshot victim in the 800 block of South Helen. Upon arrival, officers located one male adult who was later pronounced dead on scene and a coroner was notified. At this time, we believe that the shooting on Marquette is not connected to the shooting on Antoinette or Helen. However, we do believe that Antoinette and Helen are related. We have made one arrest related to these shootings already and have seized multiple vehicles that were involved. I want to assure the public that we are using every available resource that is at our disposal. This includes the assistance from the Illinois State Police, the Peoria Sheriff's Office, and the ATF. 
We are continuing to follow up on all available leads and will seek federal charges where appropriate. The community needs to know that all these shootings are not gang related, but rather targeted and isolated between groups of individuals having conflict with each other. I realize that we have had a sudden surge of violence and I want to reassure the public that you will see a more visible presence of officers in and around the neighborhoods where the violence is occurring. That includes more officers throughout the holiday weekend to include the Illinois State Police. However, I plead with our parents that you know where your children are and who they are with. I also ask parents to not contribute to the delinquency of your minors by supporting or encouraging bad behavior. We are losing too many young lives and we need your help. Please speak up, share information, and help take our communities back by helping end this senseless violence. And now we'll pass this on to the mayor. Mayor Rita Ali is next to speak now at the Peoria Police Department in downtown Peoria. Uh, she will take the mic momentarily as we continue to take this press conference live Good on afternoon. 1470 100.3. Thank you everyone for being here. Thank you to Police Chief Echeverria and the men and women of the Peoria Police Department for their tireless work. I also want to thank First District Councilwoman Denise Jackson for her presence here today. As many of you know, the recent acts of violence last night and this morning occurred in her district. As you heard the chief say, the violent incidents of last night and this morning have been targeted events. We want to assure you that these are not widespread, but instead happening in specific areas of our city and to targeted groups and individuals. The violence that has happened on Peoria's South Side last night and today should not reflect on the community members that live there. They too are tired of living with the violence. As many of you know, I grew up on the South Side of Peoria. My family still lives there. My mother, my brother, my nieces and nephews, and lifelong friends. These violent acts are personal to me. These acts break the hearts of the people who live there, who work there, and who chose to have a home there. I'm asking for the sake of our families and of our community to put down the guns and stop the shooting. Parents, you heard that juveniles were involved in these crimes. Be aware of your children's activities. We must provide them with guidance and support, and we cannot give up hope for our youth and young adults. I'm asking for calm, peace, and cooperation. Choose peace over retaliation. Choose unity over division. A violent crime that occurs anywhere in our city affects everyone in our city and we all deserve better. You want to take it from here, Chief? Yeah, is there any, uh, any questions? All right, at yeah, this point, uh, well, well, hold on, we'll take a couple. I think I speak for a lot of the folks who, who live here in this city. Understanding full well that 
you know, there's not really much you guys can do to stop some of these shootings. What do you say, say to the folks that they have heard all this? They have heard you guys say that we're going to get tough. They have heard you guys say that we're going to put, put more officers out. They have heard you say that we're going to do fed, federal charges. And they have heard you guys say that you want the parents to get in, involved. What is di different? Well, are they getting involved? That's the difference. The parents need to stop stop engaging with these juveniles and, and being part of the problem and start talking to us and letting them know what's going on. We have a lot of adults in this city that know what is going on. We have a lot of juveniles that know what's going on. But we really got to count on these adults to start stepping up. You're right. We've said this over and over and over again. How many times can I stand up here and say enough is enough? Till my face is blue, right? Until our community starts to step up, not just to complain that the police isn't doing anything, which is inaccurate, because we are. Because you don't see a squad car somewhere, or you don't see an officer somewhere, doesn't mean that we're not in those areas, right? We have other tactics in place. We need the community to step up and start voicing and con their concerns and the things that they're seeing. We have tools available. TIF 411, Crime Stoppers, call the, uh, the 911, call your neighborhood resident officer, right? There's other things that they can do to get this information to This us, is right? the uh, press conference them. live at the Peoria Police Department. That was Police Chief Eric Echevarria answering one of the first questions. Uh, will Stevenson is live at that. He will continue to cover it and bring back any additional answers uh, that are relevant from anyone there. Uh, I know that Sheriff Watkins is on the scene there. I know that Police Chief Eric Echevarria obviously is there. Mayor Rita Ali, other politicians are there. Uh, I'm going to uh, provide some more of my opinion uh, for just a second here now. Uh, I heard all of uh, the statements uh, that were made, and I, I think that first question was uh, great, actually. The question asked about how we've heard all these statements before, and in many other places throughout the country, other leaders like the police chief and like the mayor of our town are saying the same thing in their communities as violence is running rampant in other places. Um, telling the parents they need to do more, they need to get involved, is not something that anyone would disagree with. I don't think there's anyone out there that will send me a message that say parents have no role in this, parents can't do anything about this, uh, parents need to be involved with their kids, they need to be paying attention to what they're doing. All of that easily makes sense. But there are other aspects, I think, that come into play that have value to talk about right now in this moment. One of them is convincing young people that what they're doing isn't worth it. That what then I know I was saying this just a little bit ago, but I see that as a daily sort of conversation in so many places with all different kinds of intention. There can be good int intention behind a message that says, you know, this is unfair or that is unfair or, or this is going to uh, cause uh, these individuals to not be capable of succeeding the same way that these individuals can succeed. Uh, this is the byproduct of people believing that message. Uh, you can yell at me if you want. You can get mad at the radio. How dare he? I uh, turn this in something that has a political slant of some kind to it, because, yes, that is a political argument. Politicians yell that and other politicians yell how awful that is. But I'm not doing it for that reason. I'm not talking about this because I'm trying to win or lose political points. I'm doing it because it's simply a rational statement to say that you have convinced someone, you being society or the messaging at large, that there is no hope that they will see so many hurdles and roadblocks in their path that there's no reason to try, you get this outcome. 
that's not the only thing that's causing violence like this to occur with throughout our community and throughout the, the country right now. Uh, but it is not surprising that it's a bunch of young people uh, that are doing these sorts of things when we think about the different messages that young people are consuming right now and all the places they're consuming it. Yes, parents need to be the first line of defense to any and all behavior in which someone is capable of doing any of the things that we've seen in our community in the last couple of days. Yes, teachers can be involved in some ways. Uh, they're certainly not going to be the people, I think, that are on the front lines uh, fighting that fight. And they're certainly voicing concern, as I read earlier today, the Peoria Federation of Teachers uh, Local 780 statement on social media. Um, and yes, the police need to be another line of defense. But the, the sentiment that I talked about a second ago about lack of belief in the future for some also occurs in the world of police. Uh, police are vilified. Police are, I've gotten messages today as I'm talking about all this, talking about the, the things that police do that are wrong or bad or how Chicago cops have done this or that. And I understand that sentiment. And I understand that people can send me examples that prove that out to be true. But when you vilify a deterrent, and then you also tell people they have no ability to succeed, you see an outcome very similar to this. The deterrent does not need to be vilified. It needs to be praised. And yes, people do need to turn to the police with relevant information so the police can be more capable of preventing more of this from happening. But what happens when you tell everyone the police are the bad guy? When you tell people that we need to defund the police, when you tell uh, people all those other kinds of things, they say, no, again, political conversation. But there is a rational reason that those conversations exist right now and that people are saying them. Maybe they're also trying to win points and get reelected into an office somewhere. But there, there's a more factual component to any of that conversation. And it's simply this. It's a, a fear of this. You know, it's interesting. This is disconnected uh, from what I'm talking about right now. But I saw a viral video uh, this morning. I was doing some other work and some other radio things. I'm not going to go into detail what, about what that was. But it was another smash-and-grab crime in California. And in this one, at a Home Depot, a bunch of people went in with, like, masks over their faces. And one person even, like, took stuff out of someone else's shopping cart, which I just thought was extra crappy because if you're going to uh, steal stuff, you could at least go to the aisle and get out a new one. You don't have to take one that somebody's already got in their shopping cart. I know that's a silly thing to object to. I just thought it was an extra level of crappiness. But they, they go in. They take a bunch of stuff, they run out. And the reason that's happening so much in California right now is anything under $950, as far as a, a theft goes, is considered a misdemeanor, and those misdemeanors are not being prosecuted. There's no deterrent. Uh, we can talk about this in a, a myriad of other ways, and, and they are political ways. You can talk about things like the border and a lack of deterrent there. All of that matters. But it, it's simple logic. It's simple understanding of the reason why people don't do certain things. I was actually talking to a friend of mine earlier today, too, and he was asking me for my opinion on some stuff kind of like this uh, stuff where you advocate strongly for the deterrent to something policing as far as preventing crime, whatever it might be. And I gave him this example. I gave him this analogy. I said, what if we uh, just got, did away with speed limits? What if there were none on any of the roadways anywhere in the country? We're just like, you know what? Screw it. Speed limits seem stupid. Let's give them up. Does that mean that some people would drive way too fast that weren't speeding before? Yes. When we put speed limits back on the roadways, does that mean people still speed? People still commit crimes? Yes. People still do all kinds of stuff when you tell them they can't.
But the amount of people who do these uh, things, when you tell them they can't, when you tell them there's punishment for it, and when they believe the punishment is significant enough and uh, likely to happen to them, or at least somewhat likely to happen to them, they behave differently. We see that all the time. Um, so I do think that that is a simple understanding or a simple way to uh, provide an example as to what you're talking about when you say things like you need to uh, change the messaging uh, to young people to say that you can succeed. Everything is not going to be unfair your whole life. And that is not specific to any one community that hears that. I see a whole lot of young people on social media right now all over the place saying how this is unfair, that is unfair, uh, you know, I can't do this. And I'm not saying that there's not stuff in life that is unfair. There is. There's a lot of stuff in life that is unfair. But that's not new. That's not a, a situation that the, G, the generations before us uh, didn't also have to combat with and fight and somehow make it through. And yet that seems to be uh, the assumption of many people is that, you know what, it wasn't ever this unfair as it is now. Uh, and maybe there's truth to some of that, too, by the way. But as you're saying all that, you need to say that there are opportunities to do things uh, that actually do, um, you know, get you out of whatever version of a situation you're, you're in that you don't want to be in. Another text from someone, so great that you're bringing up deterrence because one of the problems in our schools is that we cannot get kids the services they need and we have lots of students who are disruptive in class and we can't teach them. I think there's one of, that's one of the things that the union is concerned about, too. We had a teacher that was hit at a school in the face and still not been able to return to work. Kids see that stuff. It's so sad. And, yeah, I agree. And that's the rest of the text. Now, kids will see certain things. Actually, you know what? Uh, one other thing that I saw on some of those posts on social media about some of the arrests that were made over the weekend, I saw one person say that uh, even though someone was going to be arrested and, and could go to jail, uh, a suspect in a crime, that they're likely to get out. Because if you really know how stuff works, you know that at some point they'll be back, they'll be out, they'll be, you know, not uh, behind bars. And even that expectation is bad. And, and there's versions of, you know, not facing consequences for uh, smaller um, um, actions that wind up making you believe that larger and larger actions will also not contain consequences. It just has to be the case or uh, no one cares if there are consequences because they don't believe that there's any reason to protect their future. So these are the byproducts of that version of conversation and the harm that it does. And yes, again, people can yell at their radios, tell them how dare this far-right conservative piece of crap uh, say certain things in a certain way because we need to have both at the same time. We need to say out loud that all these truths about our society are real and unfair and there's no way to really um, you know, fix them. And then also no one should accept that truth and allow it to make them make bad decisions or do uh, terrible things because they still have to assume that even though all this is true, uh, that somehow there's a smarter way to live and not be there. There's no scenario where you get a little bit of both. And I think that's the biggest problem in some of the messaging and conversations we have today and, and almost some of the way in which people demonstrate their level of, you know, uh, lack of understanding uh, to what it really takes to stop any of this stuff. Um, but I did. I thought it was really interesting that the very first question asked to the police chief after everything that was said at that uh, press conference, and we'll replay part of it in the news with just a second and t with TJ, and I'll continue to talk about this, and you can continue to message in 309 
309-340-4464. But I thought it was a great first question saying we've heard all this before and we're now living through a 24-hour period that's worse than we've ever seen. Uh, obviously, all the things you said didn't work. Uh, so what's there left to do? And Police Chief Erica Javaria came right back with, are the parents listening? Are they doing the things we're asking of them to do? Uh, not just the parents, but is everybody in this equation doing the things that would get people to stop believing this is the right way to behave or this is uh, the only way to behave because uh, there's no alternative? Uh, that's a question for a lot of us, uh, but certainly uh, a valuable question asked by the police chief as well. And I know they're understaffed, too, so another problem, uh, and that does come as a byproduct of vilifying police, is that less people want to serve and protect our community. Uh, so they're, I assume, doing the best they can. And every time I've talked to Police Chief Eric Tavaria, he's convinced me of that. Uh, but sometimes you're just not capable of more if you don't have the staffing for it. And they're hiring at the police department, and they're struggling like most of the country is to fill those openings. Quick break, a lot more, 1470, 100.3. That's an AM and an FM all over the Internet, WMBDRadio.com and the WMBD Radio app. <laughs> 1470, 100.3, WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, Will Stevenson from our newsroom is standing by at the Peoria Police Department. Before I put him on the air, I saw him on the TV. I'm going to play a little bit of audio of Eric Echeverria uh, saying uh, something, and then Will Stevenson asking a couple questions, and then bring Will in for a full recap. All right. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> I, I just got to say one more thing while, while I'm up here before I take your question. There are great people that also live in that neighborhood. Right. So to say it's not working, right, is saying that they're the problem in that neighborhood. Whether we have one house or two houses or a small group of people that are causing a problem in that area, it is not that whole neighborhood. So I just want to reiterate that there's great people. We were out there last night. We were out there this morning. And there's a lot of great people living in that neighborhood who want to have a peaceful area and are communicating with the police. They are. We just need more people to do that. Go ahead. Thanks, Chief. If I could ask a couple of questions here. First, in relation to the arrest this morning, uh, which shooting was that connected with? And was that an adult or a juvenile that was arrested? What can you share? Yeah, we're not we're not sharing what which shooting that was. Again, there's some things we need to hold close, and but it's it's related to these shootings. Adult or juvenile? Adult. Um, my second question then, um, I'm just reading a comment here that came in while we're streaming this, that said building relationships has done nothing to make crime rates drop. I, I would imagine you disagree with that. I do. I do. I do. And I'll, I'll leave it as that. I disagree with that. But the, the person that made that comment is welcome to come meet with me at the police department <laughs> and let me hear the ideas they have to, to curve some of this. And uh, I enjoyed that answer a lot. Will Stevenson, live from the Peoria Police Department. How are you doing, sir? I was kind of hoping I get a better answer than that, Craig. But, I don't know. Uh, well, I like, like that. I, I like Eric saying, "Hey, that person can come on down, and we'll chat face to face." What did you, you go. Yep. What did you learn from everything at the um, uh, press conference today? Well, the short version is is that so far one person has been arrested, and uh, out of the two shootings this morning, there were victims in each shooting. So we can call this 19 homicides instead of 18 now that have happened, two of which occurred today. Again, one of those people has been arrested. The shooting last night where six people were arrested was not connected with uh, any of the other shootings, but okay. it's certainly concerning, as uh, Chief Echevarria said in the press conference today. And as you probably heard, Craig, uh, the main message he has is it's time to 
report something if you see something. Yeah. To tell the police, to tell investigators if you see something and don't worry about any sort of a you know snitching or a fear of retaliation or anything like that. He says it's well past time to worry about that and, and time now to try to get more of these solved. Yeah, uh, so I, I heard some of the things I want to ask you about from the press conference. First, from the shooting last night, uh, six uh, people were injured, four were juveniles. Uh, the shootings today, it was two who were both male, one died, and I, I think both were adults in that situation, and then there was another shooting later. Um, was that also an adult? To the best of my knowledge, yes, it is. Um, okay. From what uh, the coroner, I believe, told us at the scene at that point, yes, that was an adult male that okay. was, whose lives have been lost in both of the shootings Do today. Do we yes. know if the shooting last night was connected to the shootings this past weekend? Did they say yes or no to that? They did not say, but it is uh, my impression that it's an isolated incident from any of the other crimes that have gone on recently. Okay, um, and I know that I'm just asking you these questions, Will, and I'd love uh, to see if we can get um, some more information from someone uh, there on the scene. But when they say at the beginning of the press conference that it's uh, small groups of people who are attacking each other, and then they say that all of these shootings are disconnected, how do those two things remain true at the same time? Uh, the uh, shootings from the past weekend, the shooting from last night, and the shootings from today, if you're claiming that it's a, and I'm not saying you are doing this, but the police chief said this, if it's a small group of people that are retaliating against each other well um the thing i, I don't know how to answer that really other than to say that uh, the chief stressed that these are not sort of and we've heard this before um in some of the other incidents that these are not gang related type sure. of shootings i think that's the lack of organization you see there that's kind of what the chief was saying that when you think of a traditional sort of a gang structure yeah. there's not that sort of organization here in peoria as to what you asked i know that's different but yeah i think that was well, the point that, he was stretching home was that they're not sure but he, he did make the statement that the people who are getting shot are not random they're they're shooting each other with intention and it's i think he even said verbatim that there was a small group of people that are committing these crimes. And then even uh, before he let you ask your questions, he said there's a lot of good people in a lot of these communities, which I think is referencing all the people who are not behaving uh, these ways, right? Yeah, I think so, that there are a lot of uh, good people, right. and uh, they are willing to turn to... Uh give whatever information they have sure. to police and are willing to go door to door to talk to people to try to to try to see what the problems are and how they can stop but uh for that many good people i think the impression is there's just as many people that are still willing to to perpetrate crimes like this okay are you going to try to get any uh, conversations on the scene i would love to accept everybody's gone <laughs> I wasted all your time, Will. All right. Well, uh, get no, them back. No, you didn't. You're fine. Okay. Get them back to the station. Thank you for your live reporting. Great job. You bet. Thanks. All right. Uh, that is Will Stevenson live from the Peoria Police Department after the statements made by the police chief, uh, the uh, mayor, and then other politicians. And um, eventually the chief took a bunch of questions from uh, some of the people in there, some of the reporters there. I, I am confused about one thing, and I'll, I'll just put this out there. And I think Eric Echevarria, who's been on my show multiple times, would probably uh, answer this question for me. Maybe I can try to get him today. Uh, when you start the press conference by saying that it's a small group of people who all know each other, unless I'm misquoting him there, and I'll uh, go back and dive in the audio, make sure I'm getting it correctly. Uh, does he mean that that small group of people that all knows each other is uh, specific to each individual occurrence, that the, the people who are harming each other 
uh, know each other in each and every single um, isolated event, but they don't know each other in a, a more macro uh, sense that is confusing to me, uh, to say the very least. And if it's the opposite, if it's the thing I, I perceived it to be, uh, then it, it sounds far different. And I'm not saying that I think that all of these shootings are, are connected. They said they weren't. Uh, they said that it was, you know, um, one of the two shootings today was disconnected from the other one. Uh, but I think they did say that what happened last night and one of the things that happened today, uh, they believe were uh, more connected. So, and I, I'll say one last thing. Because uh, I'm getting some messages about this, and so I'll just I'll just say what I, I believe. Uh, you can call something a gang, or or choose not to call it a gang if you don't want to call it a gang, or if it's uh, not in fact to you a gang. Uh, but at the same token, if you have two groups of individuals who are uh, fighting each other, uh, you have in effect what is the most dangerous aspect of a gang playing out on the city streets in our our society. You have people that want to harm other people for whatever reason that are in two unique groups, and those unique groups continue to fight. Uh, that is, again, the worst part of what gang violence is in any place where it's actually referred to as a gang. All right, I'll take a quick break. A lot more in a bit. 1470, 100. Leaf Factor. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, I will getting I will be getting back to what uh, is a typical show that you hear on this station from me uh, in about uh, 12 minutes or so. We'll do the news in about 10 minutes or so, uh, and then I'll I'll transition back to talking about politics and other stuff. I want to continue to read some of the text messages I'm getting. Uh, you can text in too. 309-340-4464 is the phone number, 309-340-4464. I'm reading all the messages. There's not any that I'm uh, choosing to skip over. So if you uh, feel like you disagree with me and want to send that message in, you are more than welcome to do it as well in anything I've said or any of the other uh, texters say. 309-340-4464, uh, once again, is that phone number. I had someone text in that said they're installing uh, 3M film. In, uh, and have been installing it in different schools uh, throughout the area. Uh, the reason that schools are asking for this is because although this film is not bulletproof, it does keep glass in place, so you can't you know, shatter a whole window and break in. Uh, it's something that certainly deters a lot of the ability for people to say, get into schools that aren't supposed to be in there, and it's something that he's uh, never seen on this level of demand, uh, but something that is being asked for by more and more schools as far as security measures are concerned. I know that Jonathan Jurgens at Tamara uh, talks a lot about that stuff as well, uh, the uh, security measures that need to be in place, video cameras, all that stuff uh, for schools themselves, although uh, I do want to make sure that everyone understands we did not have uh, a shooting at any any school in the community. Uh, it's just, I guess, another precaution people are taking. Uh, some other things that people said, uh, the shooters are not shooting because they think they can't be successful. Uh, they're doing it to be the top dog on the block, revenge for whatever someone said about them, or simply gang fighting. Uh, their brains have not gotten beyond that. They have no concept of the future and might it uh, uh, and what it might be for them, only what they are mad about right now. Now, I agree with you that that seems like a likely occurrence for people who are committing uh, crimes in which uh, they are not contemplating anything about how they're robbing themselves of a future or, or people that they're robbing of a future as well. I would like to get them to do that. I would like them to get them to pay attention and to think about that and to uh, contemplate the idea that there is a reason to not do this. And the reason can be very selfish in a sense that you would uh, be preventing yourself from being in a scenario where where 
uh, you have uh, given up uh, so much. Uh, some other texts out there. Yes, parents should be involved and aware of what their children are doing. But how much today is uh, can't uh, tell your children what they can do or be. You can't spank and discipline your child anymore. How many times have we heard that a person being criminalized hurt the criminal and now he's the one going to jail? You know, up is down, cat is dog, uh, living together, all of those things. Um, I I understand uh, what you're saying, too. And I do believe that there is an aspect of the way in which society has changed that causes younger and younger people. And look, if anyone thinks I'm singling out young people because I want to be a jerk, like, this guy's a jerk. He's just talking about young people and the way in which they behave because he's, he's some, you know, crappy person. It is young people who are responsible for a majority of what's been going on in our community. That is not a, de, um, you know, an opinion. That is a definitive fact provided by the police department. And young people doesn't mean people just in their teens and in high school. It means people in their 20s. To me, that's someone young with a lot of life uh, ahead of them that they either lose out on or take from someone else. So, yes, a lot of young people are behaving this way. And when that becomes true, you have to think to yourself why that is occurring within a specific subset of our society. A specific generation of our society is more likely to do this than any other generation right now. And so uh, the comments I make are are, uh, defined simply by that, by saying that there has to be a perception of, of who is doing this and then wondering why those are the people that are doing this right now. Um, and how has that changed uh, from the past? If this is something that we've been seeing for a very long time or something that we're seeing a, a tremendous uptick in, uh, the latter, which is true in a lot of places, that you are seeing a, a rise in crime, a rise in violence, a rise in the amount of young people uh, who are doing all kinds of things. I mean, the, the uh, carjackings that we see throughout our community are almost always uh, people that are younger. And so why is that happening? What is the reason for that? And how do we uh, prevent that? How do we stop that? Um, but, yes, these are some of the many questions uh, that people are asking that some of the textures are sending in. I got at least one text from someone uh, saying that they didn't want um, their, their name on the air. Uh, they didn't want a majority of what they said on the air. Uh, but the, uh, the part that I'm allowed to say, so this is a weird uh, way to do this message, is that parents can't do this alone. It's not uh, parents' ability. It's not within parents' ability uh, to do all of the things that the police are asking them to do. Uh, and essentially, this texture was also saying, and you know, um, uh, this part is, I guess, gray area. So I'm, I'm going to relay it because uh, they texted it in. Uh, but the police uh, need to do more themselves. Um, I, I do agree that there is a a. Uh, aspect of this that needs to be embraced by the entirety of society, that uh, police's role in stopping this is one that I, I here's the way I'll say it. This is the way I desire to say it. If I were a police officer right now, I would be as concerned of what someone would perceive um, um, the reason for me behaving a certain way would be as it would be to actually do the right thing in a moment that required me to behave a certain way. What I mean by that is the shaping of a narrative after something occurred is something that I think has some people weary of just how active they are in a moment of, of need. I don't think that the police aren't responding to anything. I'm not going to go anywhere near that far. I believe the police in our community, and I believe uh, Police Chief Eric Echeverria, certainly at the, the heart of this, is, is um, responding, is in these communities, is in uh, every part of our, of our society and of our, our, our area. And the country does the same thing. And I don't think they shy away from that. 
But you, you have to be honest that some of the things that are likely to occur right now, uh, there's probably a hesitancy uh, with people to either become a police officer, as you're definitely seeing a lot of that, as I've mentioned already, and then even people who are asked to serve and protect us, wondering if the way in which they choose to do it, if they believe it to be the right thing, may somehow be shaped against them if, if uh, they make a mistake of any kind. Uh, the need to be you know, absolutely perfect in the role of policing has never been higher. I'm not saying that's a bad thing necessarily. I want perfect police. Uh, but at the same time, having someone who is so concerned about that, it's almost like this is an unfair analogy, but I'm going to throw it out there. It's almost like someone in baseball not being able to hit a baseball anymore. Because every time you get up to bat, you think to yourself, man, am I going to strike out? There, there's a potential for that to be occurring. And I'm assuming it's being trained out of police. But you'd have to admit that our society over the last few years would likely have instilled it in many people that are doing that. Uh, another text, until our society stops being offended by the answers and fear the tools of which the uh, peace can be achieved, until we stop seeking gimmicks and soft policies, until we start prosecuting criminals and begin to come together without the political indifference and indifferences, uh, we won't implement a solution. That is a text uh, that's just come in. Another one, we're looking for an overnight solution to a problem that's been brewing and growing since the early 60s. We asked the naive question, where are the parents? When oftentimes there are no parents, there are no caregivers. A single grandmother raising the children of their single children is another text that just came in. And then finally, one last one. Uh, this, is not, uh, this is not another path of denial of a mistake. It is the sanctuary city uh, cannot handle the immigration prop properly. Uh, they should not deflect their ignorance by asking the agriculture community to be scapegoats. Uh, this person sent in an, uh, a link, an article, in which they're talking about something totally different, uh, where Pritzker suggests employing recently arrived uh, undocumented immigrants on farms uh, to get back to the point. But thank you for your text. Uh, there was also the suggestion of uh, allowing uh, people to serve in uh, different roles in our society, including even uh, law enforcement. Um, for uh, people in that situation. I will just say this, that none of the people in any of uh, what's occurred over the last few days are, are said to be uh, illegally here in this country. I don't think we've heard uh, a single mention of anything like that. So I, I don't know if this listener just wanted to share a different topic of conversation right now. I wanted to go a different road or wanted that to be um, you know, uh, included here. Uh, but it is relevant simply to say that, that uh, right now, what we're seeing and how things are, are going is it's not, um, you know, uh, at this moment in our society connected to uh, that issue. Um, but uh, moving on again and just simply talking about the totality of uh, the the problem as we've seen it over the last 24 hours and the different text answers and solutions to all of this, uh, that one other thing that I think is missing, and I guess you're a broken record to say this too, is is faith in something. You don't have to be a Catholic. I'm Catholic. I talk about my Catholic faith. I joke about being Catholic, Craig. That doesn't mean that I think everybody's just got to be a Catholic and then the world gets solved. Uh, but I do think faith in something. Uh, you know what? Here, I'll say it this way, because I do think it's connected. The belief that you have a future, the belief that there's, there's good that will come in your life is closely tied to, to having faith. Uh, no, um, God does not, or whoever you believe in, does not guarantee you success. He doesn't, uh, you know, um, interact or interfere in your life to, to help you win the lottery or something. But uh, belief that there's a, a purpose, a reason for uh, living, for uh, doing the things you do, for uh, dealing with the, the pain or the trauma or whatever it is, the challenges that you deal with, uh, believing that all of that is is for some reason in and of itself is a reason to keep going, is a reason to, to keep choosing uh, not to act a certain way and to uh, behave in a way that's um, kinder to your fellow man. 
uh, if if nothing else to say it that way. So I do think a a another aspect of how we've gotten to where we are is an inc- an incredible uh, drop in the amount of people, and again, especially the youngest generations, millennials, that's mine, and Gen Z as well, that have no faith at all, uh, not of any kind. And I wonder if that's because of a lack of desire to, to research uh, faiths beyond maybe some of the most uh, commonly held um, uh, faiths in our society or some other reason. Because again, I'll just say this one last time, and we're going to take a break. We're going to get to the news. After the news, we're going to transition to talking about Corinne Jean-Pierre, and all this stuff going on in the world of politics and some of the other sillier things going out there. Uh, but I, I will say uh, just uh, simply, too, uh, that, that anyone who hears any moment where faith comes up as if you're trying to recruit people to a specific religion, that I don't think that's an impo- as important as believing that there's, there's you know, a greater purpose uh, in life. Because I think it is one of the bigger reasons uh, that people choose not to behave like complete pieces of crap. <laughs> I don't know how to say that differently. Um, and or act evil, evil, do evil things in our society. Uh, the the idea that there's something else uh, or some other reason uh, that we're all here. So on that note of uh, Catholic Craig getting involved in this for just a second, uh, we'll take a break. Uh, we'll let TJ do some news. After the news, we'll get back to uh, programming as it's regularly scheduled, all the things that I talk about typically on the show. Uh, but the text line is open, 309-340-4464. It's open all the time, 309-340-4464. If you want to send me anything about the violence in our community or anything else, feel free, free throughout the rest of the show to do so. Uh, if you don't have a radio handy, you can listen to us on your smart speaker. Play WMBD Radio uh, is what you say to your smart speaker, and you'll hear TJ Carson live and local in our WMBD newsroom talking about this. Craig, a deadly morning in South Peoria. WMBD's Will Stevenson is live with the details. TJ, a press conference just happened at Peoria Police Headquarters, which you heard part of here on WMBD. What we know about the two shootings this morning is that they were connected and that one person died in each of those shootings. The first just after 9 o'clock. Uh, happening at Madison Park Terrace and Antoinette. One of the two people taken to the hospital died in that situation. The second shooting was a little more than an hour later near Helen and George Streets, also in South Peoria. A person was brought out of a home there who was pronounced dead at the scene. What Police Chief Eric Echevarria was willing to say was that the two shootings are believed to be connected, but he did not provide any other details citing the ongoing investigation. What the chief did urge is that you should not be worried if you live in that area about fear of retaliation if you go to the police and say something by calling police, by stopping at the police station, by calling Crime Stoppers or using the TIP 411 app. He says... It might be too late by the time you get your information to police otherwise. He says there are people willing to put information on social media, but for whatever reason, aren't willing to actually go to the police. And he says that needs to change quickly. Live outside Peoria Police Headquarters, Will Stevenson, 1470 and 100.3 WMBD. Thank you, Will. To put it mildly, Peoria County Coroner Jamie Harwood has had to be called to too many crime scenes in Peoria in the last several weeks to pronounce people dead. We've had a very violent last few weeks, particularly last few days. It's gut-wrenching for the people who live in these areas and these neighborhoods. I know the police department is doing their very best to uh, track down these suspects and to take this under control. So I have hope in that, and I, I don't want our community to lose hope in that effort to keep us safe. 
Despite the upward movement uh, in homicide totals this year at 19 now, there are still just a little more than half the number of the 2021 record year. The Peoria Federation of Teachers even has an opinion, saying it's out of control and calling on city leaders to declare a state of emergency. The union says, quote, something drastic needs to be done to bring the shooting and killing to an immediate halt. One South Peoria resident is taking action to try and stop the violence that has affected the area, that area of the city. Since last night, three shootings in South Peoria have killed two people and injured seven. Charles Morris says the violence is making people fearful. They can't have the kids out here playing in the yards, playing in the parks. Yes, the neighborhoods, uh, the communities are fearful. They need help. Morris says current programs in Peoria to try and curb violence have not been affected because people are not hearing about them nor aware of them. He feels kids are more likely to hear the message of people like him talk about stopping violence. Morris says he's in the process of organizing a group to help him spread a message of anti-violence. More at WMBDRadio.com. WMBD News is brought to you by Uftering Weston. Drive a new Cadillac today at the Cadillac of Cadillac dealers. Cadillac is hotter than ever. Nationwide and here in Peoria. Reserve an inbound Cadillac or custom order at Uftering Weston Cadillac in Peoria. Any Uftering Auto Group dealer. Fourteen seventy, one hundred point three WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. I've been talking about the violence throughout Peoria uh, for a majority of the show today. I am going to be moving on uh, to talk about just some political stuff and other things that are relevant to all of our lives. Uh, but you can keep texting in and uh, reacting uh, to anything you want, including uh, the conversation about the uh, shooting last night in which six people were hurt, or the uh, multiple shootings that happened today, in which people uh, died, people lost their lives. Uh, so. Excuse me, there's a lot going on in the world, a lot to talk about, a lot to discuss, but a lot happening here, uh, right here at home. And if you want, 309-340-4464 to reach out for any of those reasons, as I choke, um, please do so. All right, uh, several pieces of audio to play uh, from what's going on at a um, more a national level. First, though, I wanted to say this, that um, the um, capital physician for Senator Mitch McConnell has said he's great. He's doing just fine. And actually, uh, our president spoke about McConnell today, too. I'll read what uh, Dr. Brian Moynihan said first, and then we'll play uh, what uh, President Biden said. I have consulted with Leader McConnell and conferred with his neurological team. After evaluating yesterday's incident, I have informed Leader McConnell that he is medically clear to continue with his schedule uh, as planned. Occasional lightheadedness is not uncommon in concussion recovery and can also be expected as a result of dehydration. Uh, that is the official statement as to what went on for the second time uh, that Mitch McConnell has frozen uh, for quite a bit before uh, continuing to answer questions from the press. Here's what uh, Biden said about Mitch McConnell as well. Let's play this. Sir, have you spoken to Leader McConnell? Yes, I have. I spoke to Mitch. He's a friend. Uh, um, and I, uh, I, I spoke to him uh, uh, today, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, he was his old self on the telephone. Uh, and uh, having um, a little understanding of uh, dealing with uh, neurosurgeons and people, and one of the leading women of my staff, her husband's a neurosurgeon as well, it's not un- at all unusual to have the response that sometimes happens to Mitch when you've had a severe concussion. It's part of a it's part of the recovery. And so I'm confident I don't I don't know 
what's happening sometimes. And I know that people uh, run to their political sides of the aisle, uh, depending on who the politician is. At least some people do. Uh, by the way, a pretty funny text just came in. Uh, Mitch McConnell is fine. Uh, they took out the cartridge, uh, blew on it, and put it back in, uh, just like you would a Nintendo. And everything's great. You hit reset a couple times, you get it all to work. Uh, sometimes you got to uh, jiggle uh, the cartridge a little bit once you put it back in. Anyway, a young kid's Nintendo was a thing. It was harder to uh, turn stuff on and off and get it to work correctly. Uh, but anyway... Um, what I don't understand is why uh, this level of struggle is something that we think looks okay, that, that we think is, well, you know, uh, maybe Mitch will have this happen to him one or two more times, and then he'll recover and everything will be fine. Uh, if he's uh, likely to still have issues after concussion, maybe he should be recovering and not continuing with his schedule at the very like at the very least maybe there should be a break of some kind uh, some sort of uh, decision to you know um, not have him appear in public after he uh, literally does seem to to almost be um, you know like a, a buffering uh, mid conversation and then eventually uh, getting back to to being capable of speech uh, I'm not trying to make fun of the guy I'm trying to say that it's it's tremendously important for people to care about their own mental health, their own physical health, all kinds of things. And the desire to stay in politics above that is the strangest thing. What what does politics provide to these politicians that makes it uh, more valuable for Dianne Feinstein or Mitch McConnell or the president of the United States uh, to keep being in their role instead of having a, a reason to – well, not uh, be in their role. As Van Camp would say about Mitch, uh, the June bug got stuck. Yes, apparently something happened. Thanks for that text as well. Uh, 309-340-4464 for anyone that wants to text in, and I'll react to those. I want to play something else in the world of our, our current uh, president, and then we'll move on uh, to other things. Uh, he was talking about the amount of people that deny climate change, and then he said the thing that I think is the bigger problem. Because I don't think the biggest problem is coming to a consensus opinion. I know this sounds ridiculous. People are going to get mad at me for saying this. I don't believe the biggest problem is coming to a consensus opinion as to whether or not climate change is real. Uh, I know that people think it's not real. I know that people think it is real. That's not the part that matters. The people who think it's not real are terrified about the amount of money our government wants to fix a problem that they say doesn't exist. The people that think it does exist um, apparently seem to be okay with writing blank check after blank check. But that's the issue I've always had, is that I don't think that the people in charge, and this feels like a very easy take to make, even for the people that say climate change needs to be uh, responded to, I don't think the people in charge are going to fix the problem. Uh, we're sending a lot of people toward a fire no matter how big you think the fire is, it can be a tiny fire in somebody's kitchen, a la what actually happened uh, to Biden years ago, or what he describes happening, a fire that uh, destroyed half of his house. If the people running at the fire don't know how to use the fire extinguishers, don't know how to use the you know hoses to put the fire out, then you have two problems, not just one. And so I see us as two problems, and I see what Biden says at the end of this statement as the scariest part of it. There's still some deniers out there in terms of uh, whether or not climate change has anything to do with any of this. And uh, we're going to need a whole hell of a lot more money uh -huh. to deal with emergency appropriations, to deal with all you're taking care of. I don't want to give you a whole hell of a lot more money. I don't think a lot of people want to give you a whole hell of a lot more money. And one of the things I like to point to, mostly because I feel like it can't be denied by either side of the equation, the side that thinks uh, global warming is 100% a hoax or the side that thinks it's not, uh, look at the uh, Paris Climate Agreement. No country lived up to their 
um, uh, promise in the most recent year for the Paris climate. No country did it. None. Zero. Uh, in previous years, it's one country and not any of the countries that really matter in that world. So none of them have lived up to any of these uh, standards, any of these uh, requests. And there are several countries that have no intention of of playing whatever this game is. And there are some of the countries like India and China that are most likely to cause whatever the harm is uh, that people are saying happens in our society uh, based on those emissions. So, again, I feel like the argument is much better had in a very different way. I don't care. If climate change is real or not, I care if the people rushing toward the problem actually have any intention or any ability to fix it. And I think the answer is no. And so I don't want to give you any more money. Zero more dollars would be my preference. All right. Uh, let's play one other thing. I think this thing is is kind of interesting, too. Uh, this is a question asked to Corinne Jean-Pierre about why Biden has refused to meet with uh, New York Governor Kathy Hochul. Uh, she has been and actually it's kind of funny. And I know I have audio somewhere, but. Uh, this show has been mostly other stuff so that a lot of this audio might get cutting room floor today. Um, the mayor in New York, uh, Mayor Eric Adams, called for a, a protest or a gathering, whatever you want to call it, of people to demand uh, things change in the world of expediting uh, certain work uh, um, you know, rights to people that are in New York, uh, that are there illegally, uh, that don't have the ability to get jobs. Uh, that's what New York, that's what Kathy Hochul and the mayor are pushing for. And Eric Adams asked the city to come out and voice their support. And about 100 people showed up. CNN was there early. Not a lot of people uh, organized and got together after the mayor asked them to show up and protest something at a federal level. Because I don't think this is an issue where a lot of Americans believe the solution is just finding a way to give all the individuals who are here uh, the ability to have a, you know, uh, income, uh, a job and, and a life. Because I think a lot of people feel as though that might make the problem worse, meaning once people um, realize that coming into the country expedites the ability uh, to say, uh, get a job, do all those things, that there's a reward uh, to a, a crime. Uh, it is a crime to come into our country illegally. It probably shouldn't be rewarded. That feels like the opposite of what many people are saying to get to the heart of the problem, which is to, um, you know, um, push down the number of people that are coming in, not uh, see it continue to grow. But here we go. But when the governor of New York came by yeah. to discuss a very urgent matter in the state of New York and across the country, a lot of big cities, he did not meet with her. Why not? Well, look, as you just stated, there's a lot going on. And uh, his chief of staff met uh, met uh, was <laughs> we sent some other meeting. people i believe uh, Mayorkas was part of that meeting uh some of oh, his very high-level senior staff participated there. in the meeting with the governor which yeah, is you as know, you said on. a very important meeting to have he has uh, has a very good relationship <laughs> with the governor he's great been every time we're in we're new good. york uh, the president i don't know if you go visit somebody if you go hang out in a city and you don't uh, hang out with that person i feel like you don't have that good of a relationship Whenever I find out my friends, I went through the area and didn't hang. Actually, that's never happened. But if I did find that it ha had happened, I would be upset about it. Uh, that might be part of the issue there, too. I know when people talk about the border, uh, immediately starting to accuse somebody of being a racist is a byproduct of some of those conversations. I'm, I'm married to someone who is proudly from Mexico and a U.S. citizen uh, who went through all the steps to become a U.S. citizen, who has a job and everything else here in our country, and is, is proud of uh, both of the places in which uh, she calls home. Uh, she still calls Mexico home, uh, too. And I, I 
definitely want to support and see improvement in the way in which people can come into our country legally and become uh, citizens and parts of our society. So by saying things about how illegal immigration is bad, there are a lot of people in the boat that I'm in that think the opposite would be good. But you can't uh, enhance something without fixing a problem first, and the problem is pretty bad. All right, quick break, a lot more. 1470, 100.3. Water.com. Fourteen seventy, one 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots of stuff, as I always say, to talk about. Let's talk about some fun stuff for once on the show today. 46% of Americans are bored at their job, uh, bored most work weeks. Uh, 71% of workers who have been at the same job for two years say this feels way too routine. Uh, this feels like the same old, same old every day, day in, day out. I don't want to do it anymore, I imagine, is some version of that. 35% of people say they enjoy their jobs. Hey, look at that. Some people are happy. 13 admit to being at least unsatisfied. Uh, the main problem seems to be um, a world that's monotonous. Uh, I'll say this about all of it because uh, I think it's interesting. If you've gotten to a point where your job is so boring, uh, where you feel as though, you know, man, I could do this with my eyes closed. If you're making enough money, if you're happy with your, your um, you know, uh, compensation for whatever that gig is, you've become an expert in it, I would say. I would say one reality is anyone who gets really, really good at something probably does it more easily than someone who's not good at it. So there, there should be a silver lining in showing up every day, being bored at your job, not getting fired because you're not doing a good job, but being able to do more than enough uh, to, to maybe even be thought of as one of the best in the in the building, uh, but at the same time, uh, not necessarily feel as though you're being challenged. Now, the opposite is easily true. If someone feels as though, you know, this job isn't paying me enough and they're not doing enough and all this other stuff, well, then leave, I guess, is the other alternative there. Uh, but I guess a lot of people just feel bored and maybe also trapped in their gig. And actually, as another work-related thing, I saw this. Uh, bosses are secretly uh, tracking and judging your social media posts and looking for any sort of red flags, whether that's a mental health red flag that's mentioned here in this post or, or some other sort of behavioral uh, red flag. Uh, one of the easiest ways, apparently, for the uh, employer of many, many people uh, to figure out whether or not something is, is going on that they're not happy with is to just uh, follow through uh, those social media channels that so many people have in which maybe you even overly share some of the things going on. I've seen so many um, uh, stories where someone gets fired for like some sort of complaint they put out on social media and a boss is someone who responds to it. A boss is like, hey, nice, look at this right here or something else of some kind. The oversharing thing is definitely a challenge that some uh, struggle with more than others. And I do think that that's interesting that uh, bosses would turn to those places, those public um, settings and I think a lot of people forget just how public social media is. And I know you can contain it. I know you can set all kinds of different restrictions to, to make it less public, and some people do that. Uh, but at the same time, maybe the most important aspect is there's stuff that people still see, and uh, you might want to be cognizant of that because your employer is very likely to be. Uh, another thing out there that I saw, uh, just uh, sillier, uh, lighter, is uh, another sighting of a Loch Ness Monster or a potential Loch Ness Monster with some of the best pictures we've ever had. It definitely looks like some sort of lizardy, serpenty snake thing uh, in the water that's bigger than it's supposed to be, and it seems clearer than most photos are. Here's my favorite part of this, uh, this new sighting. It's actually from 2018. The person who took the photo, his name is 
uh, Che Kelly, 51 years old, was really afraid of public ridicule, so he kept this picture for five years or set of photos for a few years without telling anybody. But apparently, uh, according to a couple places, we are now um, uh, having the largest Loch Ness hunt in the last 50 years. I didn't know this was a thing. I didn't know that people were more interested in finding the Loch Ness Monster than they've been in the past. And because of that, it convinced this person to go ahead and put their photo out there in the world. A photo I'll share on social media. And I'll ask you if you think this is a proof the Loch Ness Monster is real. Uh, but this is the latest, quote, sighting that's also five years old. So they, they gave Loch Ness Monster way too much time uh, to run and hide and get somewhere else. I'm not saying I actually believe in the Loch Ness Monster. That's just simply true if you do. All right. Uh, also, this, I thought this was interesting. This was on Reddit. Someone went there and asked a, a question. And I think um, what's most hilarious about this is how childish this is. And I'm sure a lot of people actually uh, find some aspect of this to be, you know, good. Uh, but so this is what happened. Someone said that they have a coworker that they secretly hate. They hate this person. And this person asked them to make a cake because I guess uh, the person who's been uh, asked to make a birthday cake is a really great baker who's done it for other people in the office. So the person they most hate asked them to make something, and they have no interest in making it. So they asked the Internet how they could make something and please be, quote, as petty as possible. Here are some of the answers of what people said. Uh, bring a salad instead of cake. Uh, be sneakier and subtle and misspell things like their name on the cake. Uh, make a cake, but don't put any frosting or anything else on it. Uh, cover a cake in candy that's gross and makes it hard to eat. These are all the real answers uh, that people gave. Uh, the top answer, though, the one people like the most is don't make a cake. Just go buy one at a store. Uh, buy a cheap cake and maybe even leave the tag on it so people know that you purchased it. And that's a, a subtle way to show somebody you hate them. I have an alternative idea. Here's my idea if someone you hate asks you for some kind of favor at work. Do it. That's my, that's my idea. Kill them with kindness. Uh, get over whatever the, the thing is that you hate them for, because in all honesty, it's probably not that big of a deal. And actually, as I say that and think about that and all the ways that people walk around hating each other and hating each other for little reasons where you do uh, little versions of, of whatever this is, it, it reminds me of the bigger, larger, more important version of a conversation that we had for an hour and a half today on this show about how young people in our community are uh, engaging in violence against other young people in our community, teens, 20-year-olds. That's the typical age group we're seeing this sort of violence in. And they probably believe that they hate each other for some valid reason, and they think that that makes sense to take life. And maybe a whole lot of this hatred is a really bad thing. And so maybe even these little forms of hatred, these little forms of anger, are things that probably, uh, well, it's not pushing uh, you know, a lot of us to the extremes and the horribleness and the evil and awful that we're seeing uh, at times in our society right now. It's probably not something that's all that good for your mental health, for your brain, to walk around hating people, uh, that you can probably think of a lot of reasons to not hate anymore, might be valuable to you and to a lot of other people. I agree with you to be nice. That's what someone just said as a text to me. Killing people with kindness is something I've always heard is by far the best response to almost any kind of crap that goes on in the world. Is it hard? Sure. Uh, does it work? Eh, maybe. Uh, yes and no. But is it a more valuable way for you to go home at the end of the day and not give a crap about whether or not people uh, are angry with you? Yeah. It's the way to do that one, that last one, uh, as easily and as best as you possibly can. All right, we're going to take a break. After the break, the uh, regular show, as usual, uh, continues. So it's time for the top five at five. We have a brand new 
uh, voice helping me out with the numbers. It's not going to be Dave Letterman. It's going to be somebody else. Tease, tease, surprise. So the top five at five, the five biggest stories are coming, uh, according to me, coming up just after this. AM, it's 1470, FM 100.3, all over the internet, WMBDradio.com, and the WMBD Radio app. Download it on your phone. Get 10% off. 1470, 100.3, WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. I am going to do the top five at five in just a second. Before I do that, I do want to say uh, a number one story. It's going to be outside of my top five. I want that to be a more fun segment. But a number one story in our community very easily is the fact that there were two shootings today that resulted in the 18th and 19th homicides of the year uh, in Peoria. Uh, two people died. Uh, and then there was a mass shooting yesterday in which six people were injured, uh, two of them critically, uh, one a juvenile, one an adult. Four juveniles uh, today, according to Police Chief Eric Echeverria, were involved as far as the six that were injured there, four of them juveniles. And then uh, today, uh, the shootings, I think, were almost all adults, although we don't know what age of adult that is. Uh, but that is easily and tragically and very sadly uh, the top story and probably one of the things you're going to be talking about and your uh, friends are going to be talking about and people sitting down at the dinner table are talking about. Uh, there were cops at a lot of the schools today, and there was a rumor going around on social media uh, that there was someone intent to do some sort of harm at one of the schools. Uh, that's not why the cops said they were there. I don't know if they were even aware of that. They uh, responded to us by saying they had not heard of any threats. Um, but uh, nonetheless, uh, people uh, were probably on high alert, and a lot of people who picked up their kids at schools today were probably surprised or even scared to see cops there. So that is easily uh, the top story here in our area. I don't want people to think I've neglected it. Uh, but now I'm going to do the top five at five of other stories out there, and we're going to try to have a little more fun. It's time for the Top 5 at 5 on the Craig Collins Show. That's right. Uh, these are the five biggest stories, according to me. And uh, I was asked to put these in order, so now I have. Uh, we're going to have a new person count this order for us, and that was a bit of a hint as to who it is. So we're actually going to have to do those one through five. Five's going to have to be last. So we're doing the biggest story first, and then moving on from it. Let's see if we can get some help from uh, uh, each individual number. One. Thank you, count. That is number one. Number one on the list to me is the update on Mitch McConnell. That might not be number one on the list for other people, uh, but for me it is. Uh, the uh, Capitol doctor said that the Capitol physician said that he's fine. Uh, that after, um, you know, evaluating Mitch McConnell and looking at some of the information and knowing that uh, Mitch has previously had a concussion, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but essentially uh, this is the byproduct of still uh, feeling lightheaded or getting over a concussion and then also potentially being dehydrated. Now, it feels like that's not what a lot of people will expect is true or enough when Mitch McConnell uh, froze in place for a second time and seemed incapable of speaking. Uh, but that is the answer we've been given. To me, that's the biggest story out there that is not about something going on in our own uh, exact community, but something that's certainly going on at a national level. Here is the second of those. Cool. Thank you, Count, again, for giving me that one. Uh, Trump pleaded not guilty in Georgia for, yes, this is number two, not number one. In Georgia, for the election uh, subversion case, uh, this is not at all surprising. 
that Trump would plead not guilty today. And now the next step will probably be uh, whether or not this case can be moved to any sort of federal court, which I think is uh, the biggest push that uh, Trump will have. If not that, then trying to fight out the case in Georgia will involve uh, and it seems like after a recent hiring from the former president trying to defeat the RICO uh, um, accusation that exists within this case, trying to say that Trump and everyone who worked with Trump uh, somehow constituted what typically would be like a mob or mafia uh, type of coordination. And that that turned it into a RICO case where a whole bunch of co-conspirators are being tried and could possibly turn on the former president. Uh, I think that his most recent lawyer specializes in trying to defeat that specifically in Georgia. That will probably be a a large focus and aspect in that specific case. Uh, But he did plead not guilty. Again, not shocking at all. And I still made it number two because I know some people would have demanded that it be number one. All right, let's keep going. Three. Thank you, Count. Number three on this list, uh, a Pennsylvania prisoner escaped from jail. I don't know how this still happens. I'm kind of confused. We have so much technology in our society today that there's so many things that we're capable of that we've never been capable of before, and people still get out of jail. And this guy's actually rather scary. Uh, He is a a convicted murderer uh, who is in jail, and the search is underway to find him. He's 34 years old. His name is Daniello uh, Cavalac. I think I'm saying that right, but I'm probably not, actually. Uh, But he was uh, put in jail in 2021 and somehow has gotten out. Um, I don't understand, again, how these things happen and how someone can be on the run. And it is not something I'm, I'm trying to joke about in the sense of anyone in that community being afraid of someone this dangerous being out on the streets. But just seriously, with the amount of technology and things we have, how do people still get out of jail? How is that a thing that still happens? I don't get any answer, I don't think, uh, to that. And I don't think you like hidden the laundry basket, which is what you always hear. It just makes no sense to me. Do better, people who are trying to keep people in jail. Use more of our technology. All right, let's continue. Four. Number four on the list. And yes, I'm doing these in the correct order. So this is the fourth biggest story to me. Um, the uh, United States, the Department of Health and Human Services specifically, would like to pull back on any sort of marijuana stuff. Uh, we want to reclassify it. We want to make it even more legal, uh, make the Controlled Substance Act uh, not necessarily relevant to marijuana. Here's the thing that I think is interesting about this, um, and it's, it's honestly, to me, probably the most significant aspect of it. Uh, so the, the U.S. Open is happening in New York. And you had all of the tennis players saying that a specific court, I think they called it Court 17, smelled like pot while they were playing. The the wafting scent of pot was all over the court. And, you know, the players, some of them were more agitated than others. I don't know what that says about the specific players who didn't mind it. Uh, One guy even called it... um, Snoop Dogg's bedroom uh, or Snoop Dogg's living room, I think, saying it smelled like that. Um, That's, I think, my greatest concern, um, more so than anything else, is the idea that marijuana smoking would be so prevalent in so many places. And my wife and I walk by areas all the time now where the stench of pot is extreme. And I, I know we're not you know, uh, doing any or they're not doing anything wrong. There's, you know, no cops we're going to be calling or anything like that. But it's just significant how quickly that flip has switched, how um, much of this is just sort of out there in the open and how there might potentially be some sort of consequences to that among, well, other things. But I really hope that as we continue to pull back, we don't have more and more situations. Like we come to work here 
on the 12th floor of the Civic Center Plaza. And I know the floors below us are residential. So I know that no one is doing anything wrong if they're smoking inside their their apartment, their home. They have every legal right to do it. It's really odd to be in a workplace where the stench of pot is so significant, though, where it's so strong. You can get off the elevator. You can walk through some of the hallways. And it's just this this crazy sort of thing. And uh, those are the kinds of moments that are not so fun for all the people that are not, you know, uh, constantly uh, smoking and getting high and doing all that stuff uh, that I guess would, you know, make other people be like, ah, this is awesome. This is great. Let's go. Let's make things even better. And all right. Number five, the last one on the list. Let's go count. Five. <laughs> That's why I did that. Got to get the laugh in there. And for some reason, number five was the easiest one to find. One more time, count, please. Five. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Number five is my favorite story of the top five. And people are going to say that this is definitely not, but it certainly should be a top story everywhere. So a U.S. driver was pulled over in Nebraska, in Norfolk, Nebraska, because he was driving with, quote, a huge African bull riding shotgun. The officers received many phone calls about somebody on the highway with a cow. When they got there, they found a Crown Vic that had been customized. This is true, customized, so that the bull was legitimately mostly inside the vehicle. Uh, the roof had been cut off. Some of the uh, front windshield had been removed, not all of it. And so the cow is uh, somewhat tied down, but it seems mostly within the vehicle. Uh, the head certainly sticking out and a lot of the giantness of this cow sticking out or this bull, because it's actually a bull uh, that was sticking out. But it, it all seemed purposeful. And my favorite part about this story is not necessarily just that it occurred, but that the guy was actually allowed to, to leave and to keep driving around because the bull, whose name is, um, whose name is, is uh, Howdy Doody, that's the name of the bull, is apparently an incredibly popular um, attraction throughout all of Nebraska and makes his way from one state fair to another state fair where people see Howdy Doody, who is also um, being transported in this customized, ridiculous vehicle. Someone that works for uh, somebody, I don't know if it's a specific company or just for you know the state somehow or, or some sort of organization, drives a bull around in a, a um, you know customized uh, Crown Victoria. That's their job. That's what they do for a living. To me, it's my favorite thing that I've ever seen in my life. And as I said, it's it's one of my mostly because the cow's fine. Like it, it looked like maybe it wasn't, but it is. It's it's doing good. Howdy Doody likes his life. The guy driving the cow around is his uh, person riding shotgun likes his life everybody's happy and the police said all right you can go ahead from here that's fine that as i said was the uh, number five story of the day five <laughs> thank you Cal. thank you thank you so much thank you for everything because i love to count things <laughs> yes you do you're awesome uh, this was great i got a bunch of people that said they like the count more than dave letterman so we'll probably keep the count for more days then all right we'll take a break a lot more in a bit 1470 100.3 leaf factor 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. The count got real uh, chatty there during that traffic report. I'm going to have to taper that back a little bit. The count's going to have to be in on a production meeting, and we're going to have to tell him, uh, you're doing great, but you you can't be on as much as you were there at the end. Oh, that was fun. Uh, uh, we'll probably keep the count for a while as the top five at five. We got good story, bad story coming up in about 
10 to 15 minutes or so. Uh, right now, though, I just want to run through some of the other uh, crazy stuff that I, I saw out there in the world. I am still utterly aware of the biggest story over the last uh, day and a half or so here in the area, uh, which is the, the uh, tremendous uptick in uh, violent crime uh, and sort of the, the scary um, situation last night where six people were injured uh, during what is described as a mass shooting, because that's what it's called when multiple people get injured. Uh, and so if you want to text in and discuss that with me, and I will keep going back to that discussion uh, via what you're saying in, in text, 309-340-4464 is the number to text in for the rest of the show, 309-340-4464. If you're a parent of a kid in school, if you're a teacher, if you're anyone that has a unique voice or just anyone who wants to, to share an opinion, uh, the text line, which is always open, Open on the show is uh, uniquely um, valuable for that today. Uh, but moving on, some other stuff out there in the world. The weirdest baby names from last year. That list was put up, I think, by the Huffington Post. And some of the names are, well, uh, as described, pretty weird. Um, for uh, the different female names that people think are strange, uh, Delight is a name that's on this list, which is weird. Uh, Katniss, as far as the uh, character in The Hunger Games. Sparkle. I feel like you're uh, dooming that child to a very unique profession. Uh, Pearly, uh, Menorah is a name that someone chose. Uh, Bethlehem, a name that someone chose. Uh, Chai is in the T. And then finally, Cinderella is another name that someone chose to give their child a weird name for a kid. And especially a weird thing to be like, yeah, you're going to be your life's like Cinderella. So that'll be great. Uh, but those names are nowhere near as bad as I think some of the guy names that are out there. Uh, one of the names that I thought was just um, ridiculous is Dragon. Someone or maybe multiple people named their, their male child Dragon, uh, which is awesome. Like, I'm not going to. And actually, there's another person who apparently named their child awesome. That's, that's real, too. Um, that, that is uh, like a very cool thing. If I met Dragon, I'd be like, man, I'm going to remember your name. Uh, but at the same time, I would hate to doom my child to be Dragon if Dragon doesn't seem to fit my kid. Uh, Texas and Utah are some of the uh, states that are used as names. Fender and Clever are a couple other names on this list. And then finally, someone named their child Forbes, which I don't know why you would do that. But Forbes is walking around out there, and maybe the guy got a free magazine subscription. Uh, also, Rooster and Lancelot are names, but I doubt those are brand new. I feel like people have gone some of those roads before. All right, I have some audio I really like and want to play today. Uh, this is a, a woman who's getting called out by her husband, which is always scary. Like, you're going down that road, you might get in some trouble, even more so in this scenario. She is an influencer on social media who talks a whole bunch about meal prep, and he decided to out her because, well, her meal prep is a whole bunch of cheating, according to the husband, although not according to the wife. She said it still counts as meal prep, even though she bought almost all of the stuff that she, um, you know, put into other containers from Chipotle, just made a massive order and then separated it out into Tupperware. Here is that viral video. Apparently, my wife decided to get back into meal prepping. And by that, I mean, she placed another Chipotle order. <laughs> I had to. It's just so good. <laughs> Wouldn't it just be easier to leave it all in the fridge and then scoop it out as needed? No, that's not meal prepping. Meal prepping is put it all in individual. Buying stuff. Chipotle is not meal prepping. It is not. You're basically a caterer. Google restaurant meal prep. It's the best thing. You don't have to do any Wait, work. There's more lazy people like you? <laughs> Shocking. I love that she says Google restaurant meal prepping. It's a real thing. You stop it with all the words you say and the way you're saying them and all the correctness of all the things that are out there. Uh, that is not uh, meal prepping. My wife actually does like prepper meals. 
uh, which makes me a, a giant child, uh, I guess. That's one thing I'm admitting now officially on the radio. Uh, but she does. She, like, spends a Monday cooking the meals for the whole week. It's tremendously impressive. I would not and could not do it, uh, and she would not want me to do it if she if I made a whole week's worth of meals. By, like, the second day, we'd give up on them and be eating out for the whole week. Uh, but she, she really does, like, sit there and cook. And I remember, like, uh, certain days where we'll go home and she'll be like, all right, today's cooking day, and then she'll sit in the kitchen for a couple hours. Well, not sit, but she'll be in the kitchen doing stuff. And if I wander into that kitchen, uh, I have made a grave mistake. So I, I do everything I can to be outside of it, although I've helped sometimes. Right, Betty? You're, you're, well, she's not here. Uh, but she would say yes if she was. I don't know that it's all been good help. Okay, a couple other quick things. And then we'll take a break. And as I said, a good story, bad story is coming up in about eight minutes or so now. Uh, 12% of us eat 50% of the beef that is consumed in the United States. This is according to Tulane University. 12% of people are responsible for half. Uh, Most of those people in that group of 12 are men between the ages of 50 and 65. I feel like I'm in that group. I feel like I'm part of the 12%. I don't really like consuming something that doesn't have uh, beef and or some sort of uh, product in it uh, that is uh, not okay if you're, um, you know, vegetarian. Uh, I'm not. I'm a carnivore, and I like being a carnivore. So I think I'm part of the 12%, and I think I'm, I'm happy about that. I don't think I'm sad about that, um, even though I'm sure there are people who are uh, sad about that. And this story goes on to mention certain things about other stuff, uh, but it's, it's the preference I have. And it's out there in the world. And I guess if the 12% of us pull back somehow, uh, maybe a whole lot less uh, meat will be out there. But who knows? Uh, maybe they'll just keep creating it and not selling it, and then things will get sad somehow. Uh, I don't know. But I, I think maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not part of this group. I don't have, like, uh, three meals a day of all um, beef-related products. That would be awesome. I did do that once. All right, real quick, uh, side story, and then we'll get to the news. Um, and I bragged about this on the radio before, and I think uh, Greg Batten has found this story uniquely kind of funny. Uh, for one of my birthdays, not my most recent one, it must have been a, a few birthdays ago, my wife asked me, like, what I really would want. Because uh, we've been married for a while. We've gotten each other all kinds of gifts. She's like, what would you really want if you had to ask me for, for anything? And I said my favorite thing would be a day of steak, where you make me a steak for breakfast, a steak for lunch, and a steak for dinner. Uh, steak all day long, all filet mignon. We go buy them at the store. Betty's an excellent cook. She knows how to make it medium rare. It's awesome. I was like, I know that sounds ridiculous, but it would be a day I'd remember for a long time. And she did it. I had a day of steak and potatoes. She made mashed potatoes for every meal too. So I woke up to one. I had one for uh, lunch and I had one for dinner and it was amazing. It was one of the best days. Betty, you're awesome for doing that. It was, it was not at all uh, boring to get to the third filet mignon steak of the day. And I'd probably love to do it again. I doubt many doctors would recommend I ever do that again, but I would very much enjoy it because everything about it was awesome. Uh, there was no drawback at all in my mind. Uh, no one can convince me that that actually was any sort of problem. All right, I will take a break on that. And I think that gets me closer to being part of the 12% who eat 50% of the beef. At least on that day, I was really uh, etching toward the upper 1%. But all right, we'll take a break. A lot more in a bit. Uh, if you don't have your radio handy, you can hear us uh, anywhere. You can take us anywhere. Just download the WMBD rap uh, app. Excuse me, rap sounds awesome. That sounds cool. The WMBD radio app. 
or uh, tell your smart speaker to play WMBD radio, and you'll hear uh, TJ Carson live and local in our WMBD newsroom. Craig, breaking news. Both victims from separate shootings this morning in South Peoria have been identified. Peoria County Coroner Jamie Harwood says 23-year-old Bill Chaplin of Peoria was the victim in the shooting just after 9 a.m. in the area of Antoinette and Madison Park Terrace. Chaplin was taken to OSF Healthcare St. Francis Medical Center unresponsive, not breathing, and with no pulse. He was pronounced dead just for 9.45 a.m. Harwood says 19-year-old Damar Watts of Peoria was pronounced dead at a house in the area of Helen and George just for 11 a.m. Emergency, emergency personnel responded to the house just after 10 a.m. and found Watts shot inside the home. Autopsies on Chaplin and Watts are scheduled for tomorrow. Four homicides in the last two weeks, along with several shootings, has Peoria Police Chief Eric Echevarria saying, essentially, enough is enough. I'm tired. We're, we're, we're upset. We're angry. I have officers that are out here that are sleep deprived. Right? I have a community that is distressed. So we're, we're frustrated and we're angry and we want the community to start sharing information. Echeverria says the community needs to step up because many of them know who is causing the crimes. He says maybe some of the people putting the incidents on social media or, or who are there to just, in his words, antagonize, need to change their tunes and start helping people. One South Peoria resident is taking action to try and stop the violence that has affected that area of the city. Since last night, three shootings in South Peoria have killed two people and injured seven. Charles Moore says the violence is making people fearful. They can't have the kids out here playing in the yards, playing in the parks. Yes, the neighborhoods, uh, the communities are fearful. They need help. Morris says current programs in Peoria to try and curb violence have not been effective because people are not hearing about them nor aware of them. He feels kids are more likely to hear the message if people like him talk about stopping violence. Morris says he's in the process of organizing a group to help him spread a message of anti-violence. You can read more on the shootings from today and last night at WMBDRadio.com. In other news, the annual financial disclosure report of conservative Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, who's faced scrutiny after revelations of luxury trips paid for by a wealthy benefactor was released today. Thomas has been granted an extension to file his mandatory reports of any outside income and gifts received in 2022 as required for certain senior government officials. Disclosures by the other seven justices were released in June. WMBD News is brought to you by the Whistler Agency. Without good balance, your nest egg can take a tumble. Is your portfolio headed for a fall? Retirement planner Tim Whistler can help at 291-0491. And the any Uftering Auto Group dealer. Fourteen seventy one hundred point three WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. I usually do a good story, bad story, a segment that I hopefully try more often than not. Although sometimes it's kind of hard uh, to find a bad story that's more humorous bad. Uh, but the the tagline is, and long I've said it is, uh, to uh, give you something to provide some hope in the world in which we live today, and then, well, to gut punch you immediately after it, because that is, in fact, actually the world in which we live. Not everything is roses and sunshine. Uh, But today, I want to take a second to actually talk about what is truly and uniquely and absolutely within our community uh, just a bad story, just a lot of of bad that is happening. And I I took the first hour and a half of the the show today to discuss this. We played the entire press conference of both um, Eric Echeverria and Mayor Rita Ali, um, or at least uh, all of the statements that they both made. And then uh, the first question that was actually asked, which I thought was a, a great question at the press conference, is essentially we've heard everything you said today before, and yet 
violence has gotten worse, not better in our community. And the last two days, it's been uh, tremendously bad. Uh, last night, most people who turned on uh, TV, turned on the news, saw a bunch of, of cop cars and other cars outside of the hospital, uh, the only uh, level one trauma center in our area at OSF. And um, uh, the story was that six people, four juveniles, we found out today from the police chief, had been uh, shot. They, they um, survived, uh, as far as I know, although I feel as though maybe uh, Police Chief Erica Chavria, and I don't, I don't remember this verbatim, uh, might have said something different about one of those injured in that shooting. Uh, but then we, we have learned that two people who were shot today uh, did die. Uh, those two uh, people are adults, although we don't know the exact uh, age, or, or maybe we just did. Maybe TJ just reported on it. Uh, I haven't been uh, given that info yet, so I'll, I'll try my best to find it. Or if someone wants to text in and let me know more about that, that would be great, uh, too. Um, but it is predominantly been young people uh, throughout our community that have been those that are the victims of these kind of, of things. And so uh, right now, uh, the best that, that I can do, the best that we can do to understand the uniqueness of the bad that exists here, and it is just actually uh, bad, is to uh, talk about how you get young people to understand the value of life, of their lives, of the lives of others, and to have uh, people in whatever uh, walk of life you're in. And I actually, I got one text from someone who gave no context to it. They simply sent a set of links to me. Uh, this was a little bit after I had concluded talking about everything that is uh, violence in our community. And all of it was about the uniquely uh, poor community that exists right here in Peoria, the 60615 zip code uh, being a, a um uniquely, um, you know, uh, uh, financially struggling area of the state uh, and even providing a list to me of the places in which uh, we see the lowest income uh, based on, you know, um, uh, one specific zip code. And uh, Peoria 61605 is number two on that list. And so I comprehend that. I do. And, and I, I want to say one other thing. And actually, this might be this might get me in trouble, but darn it, here we go. I was curious about something, and this was not today or yesterday. It wasn't relevant to violence at all, but it was relevant to a very different conversation that gets had a lot in society about uh, those who have opportunities and those do not. There's a fairly common um, um, conception or a fairly common misconception is what I'd call it, uh, that a majority of White people have uh, an advantage in their life, and other people, people of uh, race, black people, uh, Hispanic, um, uh, I guess any other race other than white, are, are uniquely, unfairly um, living within poverty comparatively. And I, I just, I wondered about that. Like, what's the stat of the amount of white people in poverty compared to the amount of, of other uh, races of people in poverty? And I don't know if you know this, but two out of every three people living in poverty in our country are white. Two out of every three. Now, granted, is that actually the correct amount of people that are, in fact, white in our And it depends on how you define white, by the way, because there's a couple definitions of it, one that includes Hispanic and one that does not. Uh, and uh, actually, it is pretty close to proportional. But two out of three are, are white. So when we're talking about people that have a lack of resources or that live in um, you know, communities that have a lack of resources. We are not, in fact, talking about as ra a specific race as much as some people might think we are. 
we are talking about a, a totality of society. Uh, are the percentage of people that are white and in poverty uh, equivalent to the percentage of people that are another race in poverty? No. Uh, white people are less likely uh, by total percentage to be in, in poverty, but it's not uh, quite as extreme as you think that is either. I think it's something like 8, 9, or 10% of white people that wind up living in poverty, and it's something like 18% of uh, black people or Hispanic people that wind up living in poverty. So, yes, it's, it's twice the amount, but it's not the disparity is not as giant in the world of race as I think the, the simplistic perception of it uh, is. And so when you send me something or talk about how, um, you know, uh, society and uh, opportunity and all these things are are an aspect of how people get to a point where they uh, may be willing to commit all kinds of crimes, if not actually to take the lives of other people. I agree with you that that is a component to any sort of conversation. Uh, but I do stop a little bit to assume that the only component to it is that, and then again, that we are talking about any specific uh, race of individuals. And then when you look beyond uh, talking about the ability to have, say, opportunity in life, I think what you're actually talking about is a lot of the other things that are narratives that are provided to you, that you know people who are uh, more well-off than you will have an easier life than you will. And that actually is probably true, uh, but that shouldn't be a deterrent to believing uh, that you can still succeed because people of all walks of life uh, wind up being very, very successful. Yes, you can uh, simply uh, put in your best effort, uh, study, uh, try as hard as you can to you know, get good grades or do this and that and wind up going to a good school and getting a good job. That's still a thing you can do in our society, no matter who you are, no matter what you look like, uh, that is a capability you have. And that's just one uh, version of a conversation, I think, that matters in our society. And I do think uh, there are ways in which we do discourage people uh, and even discourage uh, people of certain minority groups more so uh, than people of, of the majority group, uh, that it's going to be too hard to succeed and that everything is against you. And we do see a significant amount of, of violence uh, that is within certain communities. That is also simply a fact. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm not trying to turn it into anything that it's, it's not, but that is also simply true. And so when you talk about all that stuff collectively and when you're seeing two days of, of shootings, and I, I talked about how I met an individual. I know I've mentioned this story a lot of times now on a Friday night who wound up losing his life on Saturday. Uh, that guy was white. Uh, in case I never said that before, in case anyone was curious about it, uh, that young man, 21 years old, uh, was white. And so um, a part of me and there's there's no intentional, uh, say, defense or anything of any of this. Uh, it's just um, uh, uniquely to say out loud that I comprehend the idea that the issue is um, a, a a challenge that needs to be addressed in certain ways, uh, that people feel helpless, that, that all of that is is true, and maybe even more so true. And I got this text from a different listener uh, that was also just after I had done an hour and a half on the topic that said uh, COVID uniquely impacted mental health and that COVID specifically, plus maybe a lack of parents and other things, might uniquely be playing into just how bad of a situation we're seeing among young people. Uh, they might feel even less uh, like there's there's um, a bright future uh, after how the last few years have been. And maybe that is true. I don't I don't know how to actually, you know, like quantify or, or understand that. Uh, but again, just simply to say that no matter who you are, no matter what uh, life you come from 
And I guess I'll say it this way, and I, I'm not trying to pretend as though uh, people want to aspire to be me. Uh, I doubt many people would, would pray for uh, becoming Craig Collins one day. I'm not trying to be an arrogant jerk like that. But I was raised in a, a, a single-parent uh, home uh, with someone who didn't have a, a lot of money. And um, uh, my mom worked really hard and found a way to provide for all her kids and found a way to, to make a living for herself. And uh, her kids have done uh, quite well, too. So there, there are challenges you face. And we lived in, in poor communities. Uh, we lived in uh, certain, you know, areas of, of neighborhoods at times in my life that were also uh, likely to see more violence than other neighborhoods. So I'm not saying that my whole life was lived in, in every single way, like people who are uh, in certain uh, situations or have certain beliefs about themselves and their, their um, prospects. But uh, I've experienced some of it on a personal level. And I can say that, you know, people find avenues to have uh, pretty fun jobs. I love this job. This job is super fun. And so that that's a uh, a byproduct of, of at least something. And there's a lot of way better examples out there of people who have succeeded uh, in the face of all kind of challenges. And so uh, that hopefully is motivation enough, if you believe it, that you in fact should not throw your life away by committing a, a horrible crime at 17, 18, 19 years old, or uh, take someone else's opportunity of life away at 20, 21 years old, uh, because of some sort of anger or fight or something you had or some sort of belief that you need to prove that you're tough or you're not, you know, um, something else, uh, which is all sort of comments I've seen on social media and all um, horribly depressing uh, because you're not going to care about any of that. You're not going to care. I'll say it this way, and this is uh, targeting specifically young people. You're not going to care what anyone in high school thought about you a couple years after you're out of high school. You're not going to give a crap what anyone thought. Uh, when you go to college, you'll keep a few friends from college for a long time, from high school as well, maybe, who knows. Uh, but you'll not give a crap about what most people thought about you. And even after you, like, work at a job for a while, and if you leave that job, you go on to another job, you won't care what a lot of – you won't – let me say it this way. Most people in your life, their opinion of you inevitably will not matter to you. There's only a small group of people whose opinion you'll actually care about, and that's a good reason to not take some horrible action – against someone that a few years from now you won't even care about or really even remember. Uh, that's, that's my best piece of advice if I'm giving any piece of advice today. You can succeed if you work hard, and the people who uh, are, are crappy with you won't matter to you in a very short amount of time in your life, uh, comparatively to the, to the entire life that you'll live. All right, quick break, a lot more, 1470, 100.3 WMBD. A good story, bad story for real. I'm actually going to care.org. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, thank you to all the texters who reached out to me and uh, listeners who reached out to me on social media. Uh, Facebook.com slash Craig Collins Show is one way to do it. 309-340-4464 is another way. 309-340-4464. Nick from Pekin uh, just told me that he loved the advice I just gave in my last segment, uh, which uh, to uh, boil it down to the most simplistic is you don't care about many people's opinions a short time after you no longer see them. And you don't see a lot of people in your life, people from high school, people from college, a lot of people. Uh, you wind up losing touch with and sort of forget about, except for Facebook. I guess you kind of remember uh, somewhat some of those people uh, that way. Uh, but he said most of the people who most need my advice uh, probably aren't listening uh, to WMBD radio. That's probably true. Uh, fair enough. Uh, but I said it anyway. I feel good about saying it anyway because, I don't know, uh, it's, it's a message that hopefully maybe somebody tells their kid. 
maybe somebody who listens uh, that thinks it's advice their kid needs uh, polishes up, changes it up, makes it something fancy and nice, and passes it on to somebody who needs it. But I, I did think it was funny, uh, Nick. For and you're the second person to send that to me today, so fair enough. Uh, it's time for good story, bad story, and I feel like a lot of this show today has um, actually discussed real bad stories, not just silly ones. So maybe we'll just do good stories. I'll decide as we go. Uh, a guy in New Zealand proposed to his girlfriend over a loudspeaker at an airport, and there's a great video of it. Airport officials were in on the whole thing. She flew in from Australia to see him, and he hopped on the mic as she was walking through the terminal uh, to go ahead and propose. I have some audio of it, too. I, I, don't, I don't mean to poo-poo this, but I'm not sure, like, the airport is always the most fun place. Uh, especially after your uh, travel and you get there. I'm not sure that it's always exciting. I don't know. It's the ideal spot for everybody to propose, but it happened. It seems like everybody's happy. I don't mean to crap on this thing. Attention, Ria Shukla. You're hearing my voice because I really need to talk to you. Every minute that we have spent together have been the most amazing moments of my life. So I have something really important to ask you. Will you marry me? Yeah, so it was pretty magical and as much as I thought Melbourne was my home, now I would say he is my home. Yes, there is my home, and this is the person that I'm going to get married to, and it's awesome, and I love it. I, I don't hate this proposal. I'm not trying to poo-poo it. It's a good story, after all. I'm putting it up as a good story. Uh, but again, uh, I don't know. Um, the airport. Come on. All right, sorry. I'm going to move on. Uh, this is another good story. Let's do this one. Uh, the CEO of a brain cancer uh, charity in Australia is gearing up for a big trip. He's raising money for research by hiking 70 miles across the South Pole in Antarctica. Uh, the altitude there is 9,300 feet, and it can get down to negative 20. Uh, that's uh, pretty cold. He's planning to start the hike on December 15th and finish up on July, uh, or January 4th, July. <laughs> That'd be terrible. Uh, January 4th. So he'll be at the uh, South Pole for Christmas. Uh, this is being covered a lot of places because they think it's a very uh, cool thing. I don't have like a dollar amount that he's raised already. Uh, hopefully it remains a big story and a, a good story because he raises a whole bunch of money for it. Uh, but it, it's a uniquely cool way to say, you know, I'm not going to do... Uh, this or, or that 5K, not there's anything wrong with those. And in, in, instead, I'm going to hike the South Pole and be at the South Pole for Christmas. Uh, that, that's a unique move. Uh, so uh, good on that person as well. And then, darn it, one more good story because I'm, I'm in that mode uh, today. A morning show in Montana brought in $77,000 for a fundraiser to support literacy. It's called Books for Kids, and it's the third year they've done it. More than 4,300 kids at 14 different schools will get one free book a month for the entire school year. No idea how many of them will actually read those books, but they'll get some free books. I don't know if they'll get to pick what the books are, uh, but $77,000 uh, for a, a unique kind of fundraiser uh, seems like also a good story out there in the world. All right, those are the good stories. Uh, again, I'm tempted to not really do any any bad stories and just move on to other other stuff. Uh, I did... Yeah, you know what? We're not going to do any actual bad stories. I did see this, though. I thought this was uh, kind of interesting. Um, excuse me. This is a list of all of the rock songs that people feel are inappropriate today for all kinds of different reasons. Uh, Bare Naked Ladies One Week apparently is is bad now. It has outdated references to certain celebrities. Uh, Star 69 by R.E.M. is something that people say is bad. Uh, the Beatles' Run for Your Life uh, is bad. Uh, Aerosmith's Dude Looks Like a Lady is not uh, politically correct anymore. Uh, the Arrows' I Love Rock and Roll. Uh, Before the Kiss, A Red Cap by the Blue Oyster Cult. This is my favorite, actually, 
of all the things that got uh, removed because, you know, society's mad about them. And I'm sure you don't agree uh, with many of the things I've already said on this list. But this one's my favorite because the reason people want this song to, you know, be uh, retired is only because of the uh, price that they give for gasoline. 39 cents in 1972 at the time of the writing of the song. Uh, a gallon of gasoline was 39 cents. So people are mad about that. They're like, no! I don't even want to know about when gas was that cheap. So they want this song to go away. It would be a, the equivalent of $2.56 today, which would also be awesome in the world of a price of gas compared to what it actually is, although I know it was under 2 bucks for a while as well. Uh, the power of equality, red hot chili peppers. I guess this is a bad story. These are all the things that people uh, want us to remove some society. I wanted a million by Guns N' Roses and 17 by Winger. This is according to Loudwire, by the way, magazine, that said these are songs that did not age well and that young people no longer want to hear uh, anywhere on the radio uh, so or anywhere out there in the world, I guess. So they probably can choose not to do that one way or another, however they want. And other people probably can choose uh, to listen to whichever one they feel like listening to and darn it society seems better off already uh, for that uh, another story that i liked out there and i should have got to uh, sooner today uh, we had a lot to talk about as i always say we do taco bell is testing a new mountain dew baja blast uh, which is already a flavor of drink that they have but it's not because it's a it's a drink product this time it's actually because it's now going to be a gelato so they're making Baja Blast ice cream, uh, which is awesome. Uh, and I think that many, many people, myself included, will probably wind up trying some Baja Blast ice cream in the very near future. Although I think it's actually going to first be in California before eventually being throughout the entire country. All right. I got to get out of here. Before I do, though, I want to tell you to go to the VFW in Peoria Heights. I, I love that place. Uh, it's, it's fun. The bartenders are great. They remember Betty and I's drinks. Betty goes behind the bar sometimes. So if you go in and we're there, there's an off chance that Betty will make your drink. She's not great at judging the amount of alcohol that goes in the cup. So it winds up being pretty okay for all involved. Uh, but 1505 East Lake Avenue is the address in Peoria Heights. 1505 East Lake. They have great food on Thursday, on Saturday, or excuse me, on Tuesday, on Friday, and on Saturday, Tuesday, Friday, and Saturday. Uh, they have a gaming room in back. It's open to the public. Anybody can go. And if you picture a VFW as a place where there's a bunch of, um, you know, retired, older veterans uh, that are uh, talking and hanging out in a way that you might uh, not feel comfortable hanging out, that's totally wrong. And actually, the veterans I met there are really fun to talk to and actually um, sometimes have really interesting things to say. Uh, but there's uh, people who did not serve our country that go there, too, because it's open to the public. As I said, gaming room, pool table, bunch of stuff, bunch of fun. You should go. We're usually there, and Betty might make your drink. That is a real uh, opportunity, potentially, not a fake one. All right, i got to get out of here. Uh, Dave Ramsey's coming up next. Will Stevenson's got your news. AM, it's 1470, FM 100.3, and everywhere. If you